Aloha, everyone. I'm your host, Christina Laney Mitri, and welcome to Smart Living Hawaii's podcast, where we discuss smart homes, technology, sustainability, and healthy lifestyles with smart business. Today, we'll continue our Sustainable Leader series, have a talk story today with Todd Boulanger. It's Boulanger, right? Boulanger. Is it Boulanger? Oh, that's so, so fancy. Um, he is the executive director of Bike Share Hawaii, AKA, as we all know, Biki. Uh, we will dive a little deeper into bike sharing, transportation, parking, traffic, and mobility, and how to solve these problems we face as a city, state, and community. So, aloha, Todd. Aloha. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I've been meaning to get you on our podcast. It's a very important topic of discussion along with the rail that is supposedly on its way. Uh, but before I jump into everything that Todd has to share, I would like to share his bio and a little bit more on him. Todd has more than 20 years of experience in transportation planning and mobility consultation with a spe specific focus on roadway safety audits, researching trends, operations and performance reviews, operating bike transit hubs, and mobile mobility services. Uh, previous to Beaky, Todd served as the principal of Urbane Streets in Vancouver, Washington, where he consulted on street design, operations, and policy as it affects allocation of public space for active transportation and traffic safety. And he also developed and supervised design of new bike parking facilities nationwide. Prior to Urbane Streets, he served uh, as the senior transportation planner for Vancouver's Neighborhood Safety and Livability Transportation Services. So without further ado, let's just jump right in. So let's see, background. Let's go into the background. Um, always, I know we got the background of your career, but love to see and hear about uh, your background and how you ended up in Hawaii. Well, I'm I'm one of those I'm one of those rare people that I didn't pick Hawaii. Hawaii picked me. I was um, I was shipwrecked here in a sense. I was. Um, working in a very remote village on top of a mountain in um, in Benguet, Philippines. And our Peace Corps program was was um, closed and evacuated because of one of our volunteers was kidnapped by a, the, the communist insurgents. So because of um, the US Peace Corps long history with the University of Hawaii, um, dating back to the 60s for language and cross-cultural and technical <laughs> they evacuated us to Hawaii. So I ended up in Hawaii um, unplanned. And then I was recruited into the um, urban planning program at Manoa to be a research assistant um, looking at uh, rainwater catchment systems. And so that, um, that was my master's thesis looking at uh, dispersed infrastructure. You know, back then we didn't have solar panels everywhere, but you know, rainwater catchments is a dispersed um, infrastructure uh, component, especially if, you know, you live on a big island or you're up in Tantalus, you know, few people know that the whole Tantalus region up there, there's no municipal water supply. Mm -hmm. So long story short, I came to Hawaii, started working on the rail project back then in 92 as a, <laughs> as a research assistant. 
1992. Um, you know, that project goes back to the 60s. So, um, so yeah, there's a, there's a long arc of um, transportation planning in my background and in, in, in Hawaii. I then left Hawaii frustrated because my focus is green transportation. And in the late 90s, early 2000s, there wasn't really anything going on here. You know, there was no Ulupono, there was no Blue Planet. Um, and so I went to the Northwest, Pacific Northwest for 10 years to do car sharing, traffic calming, pedestrian planning, um, basically designing um, neighborhood traffic hubs and, and parking hubs, and then worked in Abu Dhabi for a year before coming back. So um, then about five, four years ago, um, uh, a resource I had at UH called me and said, Beaky needs you. And I said, you know, they were calling to see if I knew of anyone on the West Coast that uh, would, would be a good candidate for being the director and CEO of Beaky Bike Share, since the current director then, Lori McCarney, was looking to retire. Which, you know, she's now over at uh, Hawaii Bicycling League. So, anyway, I said, What about me? And so, um, long story short, the board, um, you know, interviewed me and, you know, dozens of other candidates. And here I am after four years. I'm still at Beaky, and um, Beaky's still moving around town. We're about to celebrate our five millionth ride. Can you imagine that? Wow. Five million bike rides in Honolulu. Um, you know, the, the dream of Beaky predates me. Um, the community and our, our governmental stakeholders, city, county, state, and federal governments um, dreamed of Beaky about probably about uh, almost 10 years ago. Okay. Um, the city of uh, city and county of Honolulu then initiated a study in 2014. You know, what would what would bike sharing look like? Who would operate it? How much would it cost? Where should it be? And so that 2014 organizational study was kind of the founding point where the city and county said like private partnership. And so that P3 is that's how Bike Share Hawaii, the nonprofit. Um, was born out of that community discussion. Yeah, I think I remember they actually had like a almost like an installation. Mm -hmm. I want to say it was like in a garage somewhere yeah. with different options of bikes. They had, you know, and this was back when Lori, I think, was um, heading it all up and putting it out there to the public and getting feedback from everybody. And they had different options to choose from and and wanting to hear what everybody thought would um, work best within our community. And it was kind of neat to be a part of, you know, our voice and everything. So yeah. it's kind of evolved into this. And no, I'm, uh, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it's very rare. I mean, the work that Lori and also Ben Trevino did with the support of the city and state department of health, rarely do communities have that much dialogue regarding, you know, what should the technology look like? You know, what kind of bikes, um, where should the stations be? Should they be dockless? You know, do you want bikes and scooters spread everywhere or do you want them clustered and focused in very, very specific areas? And that was a several year process, at least two years. Um, you know, typically you have the situation where the scooters just show up overnight and there's been no 
you know, the city doesn't even know or the, or the county doesn't even know that the scooters are showing up just like what we have in Waikiki now with GoX wheels, labs and, and Lime in the past. So um, I know. And I mean, I'm not too sure. I know this had come about years ago and I don't know if it's true, but they were all collected up and they're all stored somewhere <laughs> the first time around. And well, now that was, yeah, that was Lime, you know, Yeah, that was a long time ago. And then, you know, now it's like, I guess they're back and they're just everywhere. And I mean, I don't know how or what is being implemented, but you know, I think it has that, I was going to ask that question, like how, how has that, you know, played a role in, you know, we can get, I would like to dive into that later, but yeah. I would love to know how that has played a role into your business and everything as well too. But before we start um, and getting into your business and how it's evolving and the things that are happening, maybe we could start for those who maybe don't know Biki or maybe they're listening in and they know very little. Uh, we can explain what Biki is and the bike sharing program that we have here on Oahu and is it, it is on another island too, right? Did you guys start one up or are you going well, to? Yeah, we, can get, we can get into that. So um, Bike Share Hawaii is the nonprofit and I'm the director of that entity. We hold the contract with the city to operate the public bike share. And then we did an RFP and we hired the, 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 the operator. So the operator secure, they do all the, the maintenance, the call center, um, and they also invested the first $5 million into the program because originally when the city did its analysis, they said, well, we want, we want a good urban system. Um, we don't want a hippie system that's kind of held together by, you know, duct tape and um, chewing gum. So their analysis showed it would be about 10 to $12 million startup costs. The city didn't have that at the time, but they did come up with the pilot money for the public process that you mentioned in a grant. So they, the, the, the city and city county and state came up with 1 million each and then secure brought in 5 million and the nonprofit, we, we brought in 2.5, 2.4 million through donations and the federal funds for the, the expansion. So for your, listeners out there who are not in Oahu, the program, the first day of operations was in late June of 2017. We started with 100 stations um, with 1,000 bicycles spread between uh, Chinatown on the west or the Eva side. And then on the east, um, it was Waikiki, kind of where Kapohulu is. Um, and then it reached up to H1. So H1 was kind of the the Mauka or the mountain boundary at that time. And the water was the, um, the other boundary to the south. Um, when we, the nonprofit raised the money for the expansion in 2018, um, we added another uh, 288 stations and another, excuse me, added another 288 bicycles and 36 stations. So that was about 1300 bikes and about 136 stations total. And then we expanded the footprint to be about, about seven miles wide. So from Evole out by Home Depot or yeah, I guess okay. Lowe's um, slash City Mill out there all the way to Diamond Head. So Kaimuki slash um, Leahi Beach Park. Um, and then we, we leapt across H1, which is a physical vertical boundary for many people 
uh, on bicycles. We went into Makiki, we went into Manoa at UH, and also okay. KC. So we expanded to the university areas and the residential areas, which, um, which you know, people need those stations in order to get to work in town and vice versa. Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest, in the startup phase before, before I was attending, the biggest concern that I think the city had and a lot of advocates, they were worried that bike share might be just a tourist toy. You know, just something that you come to Hawaii, you stay at the Ilakai, and then you take a ride, a biki ride around Waikiki, and, and that would be the, the end of the value. Mm -hmm. But other than the first three to four months, the, the majority of rides have been Kama'ainas, locals, who have purchased monthly passes. Um, and typically about 67 to 70% of the rides are locals. And then the balance, the, the 25 to 30% are visitors. You know, they could be someone from Maui. They could be someone from Japan or Australia or California. So, and they typically purchase um, an, a, a one-way trip, like, a, like buying a one-way bus pass, you know, one, one, one ride. Um, but now we've, we've, we've added the daily ride. So if you walk up to a kiosk, if you've never ridden Beaky before and you're interested, you can pay $12 for a 24 hour pass. You can ride the Beaky as many times for many, as many as 30 minute rides, as many times in that 24 hours. Hmm, okay. Whereas, you know, if you're a Kamaina, um, if you get our commuter pass that you pay $15 for 30 days of unlimited 30 minute rides. So um, a family of five could afford Beaky passes for every adult and adult child compared to what a one single adult pass for the month would be for the bus, which is $80 pretty soon. Is it $80? It's, it's oh, wow. in, in the summer, it's, it's bumping up to $80. Yeah. Wow. And then how much you probably know this, but I mean, how much is it a bus right now? I have no clue. Um, currently it's, um, currently it's two rides. So the great thing about the Holocard, if I can make a plug for the Holocard, um, there, the, there's a bus card now called the Holocard. And if, as long as you ride two rides per day, the rest of the rides that day are free. So instead of having to do the math, like we used to have to do is say, well, do I, am I going to ride it enough to, to do a, a day pass? Now the system does that math for you. And so um, it's, it's a great card to kind of integrate with your Beaky lifestyle. Um, and I'll see if I have my, my holo card with me so people can see what it looks like. Here we are. Um, do they have cards that have that incorporate the bus and Beaky? Well, not yet. Um, the technology the bus, is, Beaky, and rail. I'm you know, that's the dream. That's the dream. Um, it, we're we're probably two years, at least two years out from that. So, um, as far as I've been told, the the, the folks at uh, OTS and the city and uh, Ulu High Tech, the people behind the the Holo card. They're working on integrating paratransit, you know, the, the handy van people okay. into Olo before Beaky. So we're we're patiently waiting our turn. So someday you could you could have a shared pass, you know, that could do Beaky transit, maybe Hui car share, who knows? Mm. Um, and so that's probably five years out. 
but um, that seamlessness of transportation is really what makes mobility affordable and easy. Because you know, if you have to think about it, you're going to just drive your car. You know, yeah, because that's true. It's like a, an on and off switch. If 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 you just as soon as you get in that seat the first time of the day, that's your you made your choice for the day pretty much. Um, so yes, yeah, so Beaky is since its beginnings, since its first year, it's been one of the top 10 systems in the US. Really? Okay. Yeah. In its first year, it was number nine. Um, in its second, third, and currently, it's number sixth in the US for rides. So we're, we're right behind um, Boston, the Bay Area, Chicago, DC, and New York. So Beaky is touching above its weight. Um, they're calculating the new numbers in a couple of months, so we'll see how COVID affects us all. Um, but um, before COVID, we were doing over 1.4 million rides per year. So okay. what I like to tell my friends on the North Shore is, you know, you may you may not have Beaky now, but you know, your, your, your uh, nephews and nieces going to UH or who live in town are riding Beaky, or we don't expect people in Waianae to Beaky into work, but if we can get all of those little trips that used to be, um, you know, if you lived in Kaka'ako before, you'd be driving to the 7-Eleven or the Times supermarket to get your milk or run that errand or that Pauhana trip. If we can move those people from car trips to Beaky trips, then that frees up road space and parking spaces for people that have to drive in from Waianae or Laie or um, Kahuku. You know they they have they have to drive in it's it's just a matter of life or mm -hmm. they have to drive as close as they can afford to their work you know they're working in waikiki you know they're probably parking in my neighborhood in moli'ili'ili or in kaimuki and then you know taking the bus or or bicycling viki in yeah for sure so out of the different i remember when we were chatting there's basically four different bike users. I know you kind of explained the difference like with the tourists and the yeah. and the um, the Kama'aina. Maybe you could break that down a little bit because I think it's good to put in perspective as to who's using them and and then how, if you have stats, like how COVID has, you know, played a role in it, you know, over time, I think things will go back, but it would be good to hear. I always like to see how COVID's yeah. affected the businesses well, now. <laughs> So in 2019, before COVID hit, we were running over 1.4 million trips per, per, per year. And that was working out to be about 35 to 4,000 rides per day. And our user base then was like a four-legged stool. So we had the tourist leg, we had the, 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 the gown leg, which was basically the, you know, the universities, you know, um, HPU, UH, KCC. Um, and then the high schools also, you know, we have stations at um, Kaimuki High School, um, Iolani, Punahou, and also other places. So that's the second leg. We had the office workers, you know, many of them would drive into work and park in their subsidized parking stall, but they would use Beaky for their meetings or for their lunchtime um, work because it's, it was quicker to Beaky to those places than you know, unpark your car, find parking, pay for parking. So that's the third leg. And then the tourists were the fourth leg. So once COVID hit, we lost all the legs to the, we had a one-legged 
school. <laughs> we had the we had the, the we had the dedicated folks that lived in Waikiki, Kaka'ako, Alamoana, um, who really had made walking and transit use and living in town their priority. Um, and they had minimized their what we call in the business car light. You know, they might have one car per household um, versus three or four or five. And then transit and Beaky would kind of get them around when they didn't need to drive somewhere, you know, like to Costco or to the North Shore. So when the lockdown, you know, when tourist arrivals went from, what was that, like 30,000 a day to 300, um, we lost 80% of our rides within days. You know, we, we just, you know, just like transit, just like every, every business here, we just dropped to the, the base, it's load. Um, since then, we slowly built it back to about 70% of um, previous. Um, we're still waiting for, you know, we're still waiting for the, the office workers to return fully or closer to full. I mean, right now, most offices are still 30 to 50% active on site. Um, university uh, campus is more active, but still, it's still slow. So maybe about 50% um of that activities back i mean personally i'm taking a uh class and it's still virtual um and then um what else tourism is still lagging you know we we have we don't have the japanese or um asian tourists yet we have the did you have stats like um as to the people that were that were tourists like what was like a high amount using bikes i guess probably what they're familiar with in their their countries right riding bikes would make yeah sense. well that's why the Japanese <laughs> tourists were so important um the bicycle the city bicycling um over there huh it was was pretty well there's a good history of it in japan um let me see if i can find something yeah i don't have i have, I'll have to look for that data um, but the majority, you know, about 80% of our tourist users before COVID were, were Japanese and then Koreans and then Canadians and, and downward. So the, the closure of the Japanese market really has affected us like it's affected some of our partners like, you know, Honolulu Cookie Company, ABC stores. Yeah, right. We, we did see a, a big tourist bubble come back in the summer. Um, but that was but really- again, Japanese were- that was closed off. <laughs> right. Well, they were mainly Californians and other people that had been, you know, locked in their homes for a year. So that was a big bubble, but that was really artificial because it was tied to the the, the rental car crisis, which you probably yeah, that's remember. true. Uh huh. So you know, when rental cars were five hundred to a thousand dollars a day, you know, our our Beaky rides doubled. Um. But now with rental car prices back to 50 to 100 a day, it's it's our our ride demand is more like our first year. So mm -hmm. it's it's steady, but it's not stellar. There was a lot. I remember just a local market in, ending up like all the families decided to go and buy bikes, right? Because everybody was so cooked up in their house. Did a whole bunch of like locals decide to do Beaky because I remember bikes were getting outrageously priced and you couldn't find bikes anywhere. You couldn't even go into a bike shop to buy a bike. I was just like, hmm, maybe they all started using Beaky. <laughs> that, that would have been true if, see the, 
prior to COVID, our focus had been on two markets, the, 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 the office, the office commuter and the tourist. The problem with COVID is when everyone didn't go into the office and stayed at home, you know, Beaky's, Beaky's not in Kapole, it's not, yeah. you know, in Kahala, you know, it's not on um, Kailua's side. So all those folks were buying bicycles. And so, I mean, I'm a student of history and a similar scenario happened in the bike boom of 1971, 72, 73 with the oil, the Arab oil embargo, as we called it then. A lot of those bikes stayed in the garage after the first few rides, you know, so I'm pretty sure 95% of those bikes that were bought during COVID are, are in the garage, their, their rear tires deflated, and there's um, jackets and towels probably resting on them right now. So, <laughs> you know, as a, as a planning student here in, in Hawaii, um, my, my awareness of, of, of vehicles and, and, the, and the data goes back to the 90s. And, you know, there are, there's never been a bicycle shortage problem here. So, you know, there's, there's always been more bikes in garages than on the streets. Typically, there are about one bicycle registered for every two cars on Oahu. So if we had six, you know, if we had 400,000 bikes being ridden before Beaky, you know, we would, we would be, we'd be like Paris or Amsterdam, you know, we, we would have a lot more cyclists. Mm -hmm. So the critical, the critical issue there is people want to bike and Beaky's shown them that, shown the, you know, the, the city officials and the state officials and everyone that people want to bike if they have a place to bike and if they have a bike that's ready for them. Mm -hmm. um, but Beaky has taken those two barriers from people enjoying bicycling you know the tires are pumped up there's a you know the repairs are already done the bicycle is they where don't have they to store them yeah, yeah. well I, I don't know about you but i live in a building it's, it's a great it's a great building 1960s moili ili you know it's like 13 oh stories. i do we're on a top floor and it's taking up our lanai our two bikes well the thing is, I can't bring my bicycle into my apartment unless I carry it up nine flights of stairs. So, oh, stairs. Oh, you yeah. can't. They won't let you take it in the elevator. No. Mm -hmm. So my BQ either my if I my bicycle would either rest on my rest on the street and be stripped of parts or it's pushed into the, the bike room, which, you know, it's 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 been vandalized. And so, you know, in that sense. That's why Beaky is also helpful, you know. Speaking yeah. of that, um, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of um, wear and tear on the Beaky bikes, and I mean I've seen ones that seem obviously stolen. Um, yeah. How does how does all that work? And because I know it's like if someone just sets it aside. And then they don't take it like a tourist or whatever. It's like someone could just run off with it, and there goes what, twelve hundred dollars charged mm -hmm. to their, to their credit card or what what have you. But I mean, I know um, with HPD and stuff that it's um, there are people riding around the bikes. It's not their bike, or they did not yeah. check out that bike. <laughs> so you raise an important point. So before COVID, um, most of the before COVID, we had a very minimal vandalism problem. You know, we might have kids taking a Sharpie and 
you know, doing a doodle on a station or um, on a bike. But with COVID, there's really been a mental health crisis. And the mental health crisis has really impacted Beaky. People are just, you know, people are destroying bikes. They're, you know, breaking them in half. They're ripping off the, the parts. Um, and so HPD is, has been a really important partner in helping us trying to get some of those bikes back. Um, the problem is if the bikes are, are out in the wild, as we say, for more than a week or two, then like you said, people start painting them and they take the parts off and then we, we can't use them anymore because the mm -hmm. damage is done. Um, we're, we're, we're caught, we're currently caught into a, a, um, the issue with Thompson versus the state the recent uh, state Supreme Court finding that um, a lot of a lot of misdemeanor arrests have been thrown out of out of court because of certain procedural and processing issues. And so we're waiting for that to be resolved at the legislature um, because we we know who the, the the major vandals are to the system. But when HPD, you know, does their job and arrests folks based on those 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 GPS and video logs they're released relative, relatively quickly and so we're mm -hmm. looking forward to that being resolved because we're because of that we're losing one to three bikes a day in the system wow. due to vandalism and um and you're right the old vandalism problem used to be the old theft problem used to be created when tourists left the bikes out you know they didn't dock them correctly or they you know they just ran into the abc store for for one minute and the bike would be gone. So um, that that's so right that's, now it's not that issue. It's they're actually breaking, it, finding a way to get it off the docks, and well, then that, that and credit card fraud. Oh yeah. Huh. Yeah. So because we have less tourists in the system, there's there's less bikes being stolen based on not parking well, and so there's there's other issues that that we're having so to now they're do. having they're finding more difficult ways to get them but they're still well, it's, it's still i mean yeah. the credit card fraud is really the, the the big issue um and that affects all hawaii businesses um yeah. you know you balance convenience with rental and that opens the avenues for fraud um but we're working on that and hpd is helping us where they can um and the beaky because it's so iconic they're they're, they're easy to find. So even if you paint it red or you paint it black, you know, everyone knows it's a beaky. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if I can just put a word out to the folks in the community, you know, if you need to bride a beaky, you know, $15, $15 a month, or we have a, a we have a subsidized um, rate of $10 a month, please, please, you know, for the price of a plate lunch, rent a beaky so that you know, if you destroy it, then we have to throw it away. It just becomes Opala, you know? Yeah, that's too bad. Well, I hope that, um, I guess you said there's a case going and it goes in your favor in some shape or form. So, well, moving on, I wanted to go and dive into, I guess what Beaky's all about, mm -hmm. like the real purpose of yeah. our mobility here in the state on our island, our city island here, how we can make um, it more maneuver maneuverable, you know, without using cars, taking cars oh. off the streets. And um, maybe you could share with us a little bit more on Ulupono's uh, latest 
updates and stats that help um, help us see. It's really hard for a regular person driving a car every day to have the mindset of either getting rid of that car or that extra car and um, maybe put things into perspective on the people that are on the fence. I don't know if you're gonna change minds for people who are not on the fence, but maybe those people on the fence might be like, you know what, we should just try it. And yeah. I think the younger demographic is moving into this mindset of maybe not even needing cars. Um, and like, let's, let's take it from there. Yeah, so let's, I guess let's start with the financial discussion. So, so Bike Share Hawaii, the nonprofit, was formed to bring a locally based um, affordable mobility option, and, uh, and that's transportation that doesn't rely on uh, on fossil fuels. You know, if you Bikis are powered by whatever you had for lunch or breakfast that day. You know, it's <laughs> banana powered, it's ulu powered, it's chocolate pudding powered, whatever. You know, haupia cake, um, and so. You know, we like to say that every grocery store or 7-Eleven really is the fuel station for Beaky. Um, and so the with the community vision that, you know, there are other companies out there that provide bike share and, and scooter share, but they're not locally based. And so that's our primary mission is to exist as long as the city and the community need um, affordable green mobility in the form of bicycle bicycle share. Um, and as such, you know, some of the, some of the, the outcomes that we've proven that we've delivered in the last five year would be, you know, we've had over, you know, we've had over 300,000 discrete customers. Typically we have about, um, in any given year, like last year was 105,000 um, individual riders and 94,000 were new first time to the system. So some of them are tourists, some of them are folks, just like you mentioned, Kama'aina is looking for an option. Um, a lot of people don't think about how they're getting around until their car breaks down. Um, a lot of people purchase or rent a house, but not thinking about, well, what is it gonna cost to drive to that home? So Ulupono and, and also AAA have come up with annual costs. So Ulupono recently, in their 2021 report called the costs of the vehicle economy in Hawaii, they estimated that every adult driver spends on average of $13,800 a year on their car, the costs of their car. So it's the, it's the lease, it's the fuel, the tires, the parking, insurance. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. And if you're, you know, if you're legal, yes, insurance, your tabs, the, and so for a family of two adults. But that's not including gas. That's just the car. Uh, or is also, that including gas? It's also fuel fuel payment. Because that's, so that's uh, probably jumped up a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, that's that's before Ukraine. So, <laughs> or the, the price of Putin. Um, and so their estimate for a family of two, two adults, is over $24,400. And so if you think about that, that's almost that's that's pre-tax income. So you, you've paid taxes on that in a sense. So if you multiply that by whatever your tax rate is, you know, that could be definitely over thirty five thousand dollars. And if you think of what your your take home income is for one adult working at home, 
that might be their take home income. You know, that one person, the, the kala, the money they're bringing home is supporting two cars in that household. And so by looking at the costs, avoiding that second car, so maybe that's $13,000 a year, and then bringing in Beaky, you know, which could be $45 per month or a bus pass for two people, you know, say $200 per month. Um, you could afford to live closer in town. I mean, if you, if you walked up to someone and said, you know, you're, you're doing your mortgage calculations. How about if we increased your monthly take home pay $500? You know, where would that, what would that allow you to purchase or rent in town? You know, I think, I think that's part of the equation that I think more and more savvy um, younger people are looking at, you know, what is, you know, what is the time value of that long commute and what is the cost of that commute? You know, could I, could I, instead of, you know, having to rent or buy a place in Wainai, could I maybe live in Kapolei or Pearl City or um, closer in even? I mean, yeah. you probably come across that in your, in your work in the real estate industry, right? Well, I mean, just the other day I was, you know, showing property to first time home buyers and um, there's a, there's a cap, right. As to how much they can afford. And then on top of that, how much they can, you know, pay at the end of the day, it's like, what are your non-negotiables? And for them, they have two cars and to find a studio, which they're fine with living in or one bedroom that comes at two parking is hardly anywhere you can find that. <laughs> So it does come down to having to find street parking or paying anywhere from 150 to $200 a month for that parking stall. If you're fortunate enough to even find that, yeah. or then the option is, do you really need that car? Right. And do you have to, yeah, that extra car. Right. Cause I mean, they have to. So, I mean, now there's properties, affordable housing that are offering no parking. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, those aren't selling as well, but you know there are properties that you can find right now with no parking um, and they don't sell as well. But if the more and more it becomes the norm, I think the more and more those will, will start to you know move. I think, you know, even in this type of market, they're starting to move, so. Yeah, I mean, I think you're bringing up an important point. The bundling of, of car parking spaces with rents and uh, mortgages um, for apartments, you know, that might rate, that might increase your monthly rental or mortgage by up to $300 a month. Because um, Ulupono estimated the typical cost at about $420 per month or about 2% of the real estate costs are in the land and the garage. Like if you lived in a house out in Kampala, say. So um, parkings are like sixty to eighty thousand dollars now. It's like crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, in our grandparents' day, that that um, that two-car garage that was a hale, that was a house. <laughs> and now our our you know our cars live better than our grandparents did some in some ways. You know. <laughs> I know. Well, with that said, I guess there was a couple other things here. Um, I know that you mentioned that the way things work is really with the state, the city and counties. Um, you had mentioned that, or I thought I saw that you guys are on a different island as well. 
or is that maybe you could um, jump into that a little bit more because I was I was curious about it going outside of Oahu. Yeah, so if if you're if you're um, if you're on a holo holo trip <clears throat> to other cities in the U.S. or even in the world, um, you can you can use bike share, but Biki and our ourselves as the nonprofit Bike Share Hawaii, we're only on Oahu, but okay. we do have we have a in a sense we have a, a, a Hanai sister organization uh, in Hawaii County Path, and they have. Um, they have bike share, public bike share in Kona and in the Hilo side. And it's okay. the same, it's the same bike company technology, different model. So if you like Biki and you're going to Hilo or Kona, you should consider getting a, a, a pass for the Big Island system. Um, if you download, you know, on your phone, if you download our app, um, the PBSC app, you can toggle the big island and in that same app you can then rent bikes with a membership um, in Kona and Hilo too. So you only need one app. You can get off the, your Hawaiian Airlines flight, get into town, check in and then Biki around Kona or in Hilo and you don't need a different um, um, web app. Awesome. Well, do you have any um, updates on what you guys are doing in the future? Yeah. Any, any, um, locations you might be heading to or adding stations to that we should know about? Well, yes. I mean, as I mentioned previously, we're, we're about to, or we have just tripped our 5 millionth ride and, you know, things did get a little tough in COVID. Um, so we brought, we still have about four stations in storage, Beaky stations. And so we're working on installing them around the, um, the new um, Lalia, um, Waikiki um, um, mixed-use development there on Kahiu at Walina, you know, the old food pantry. Okay, okay. So we'll, we'll be putting a station back there where we used to have one, and then we're also working with the city on adding a station on the other side of the building. Um, we're talking to Alamoana Center about adding some stations to the, the shopping center there because um, everyone likes to beaky to Alamoana because they don't have to deal with all the chaos in the parking garage. Mm. Um, additionally, we're, we're having to move some stations because of construction, which, I mean, it's a good thing. Uh, Howard Hughes is tearing down the old sports authority, as everyone knows. And so we're moving that station at uh, Ward Gateway to a, an adjoining street nearby. And then the city will be paving parts of Kaka'ako and the government district this summer. So the stations on Punchbowl and Halakawila um, and other places, they're going to be kind of, it's, it's kind of, um, it'd be kind of um, a shell game. We're going to have to move them to the nearest cross street. And so um, just check your app and make sure that the Beehee station you've always used is still there. Because to, to be honest with you, a lot of people stayed home for the last year or two and they come back to town and they say, well, where's my Beaky station? Well, <laughs> You know, just because you were sitting at home doesn't mean we haven't been active. So we've had to move things around when the city does um, its, its great work and making our streets less, um, less pothole ridden, you know. Yeah. And then uh, with the rail, where is it projected to come into and are you guys going to be 
Well, that's that's the yeah, that's the interesting thing. I mean, when Beaky was just a dream, Beaky and the rail were supposed to open at the same time. Can you imagine that? We've been open for five years. So the first You're phase, less intrusive. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, amazingly enough, you know, Beaky's delivering what rail should have been delivering by now. So so given the recent change in the in the station, the number of stations. Beaky, once once rail comes into town, we'll be at the Chinatown, um, we'll be at the Civic Center station, we'll be hopefully by then by the airport. Um, but we have to, we won't be, we won't be serving the, the first phase stations. Um, our service area is, is, it's more focused on in town. And so, you know, if the city, if the city or state wishes us to kind of expand into those areas, then we we need to work out a, a, a new um, a, a, an amendment to our existing contract. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, but but I really I think it's great that that you that there's this connection with the city and the state and you know working together. It's usually the hardest thing, right? I mean, you have like a nonprofit or somebody coming in and trying to create something. And if it doesn't um, work hand in hand with the city and state plans and their agencies, it um, it usually falls to the wayside. So it's it's nice to have this, you know, working together and keeping it going yeah, um, to the highs and the lows. <laughs> um, but, but to build on your last point re regarding rail, so with, with the mayor, with the Blangiardi administration's shortening of the line, you know, they're not going to Alamoana and they're not going to the other um, ward station. Beaky <clears throat> becomes more important because now with Civic Center being the last station, Beaky can bring people to Alamoana Center, you know, with, mm -hmm. with those future protected bikeways along Kapilani Boulevard and Alamoana. Um, so that's why we need Beaky more than ever, especially mm -hmm. now with, with rail being shortened. Yeah. And then since we're in the legislation time frame and periods, are there, I always ask this question too, are there current bills and things up on the docket that you guys are watching? Um, things that you're either hoping to go through or maybe something, just comments that you might want to share with everybody. It's always good to hear. Uh, there is one bill and I've forgotten the number, I apologize. Um, but sadly, most of the bills we supported early on Died. They, they died. Yeah, it's 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 tough business when you're when you're working on alternatives for the environment or low cost options because they don't have a lot of high powered lobbyists. I mean, just to be just to be frank, um, you know, the expensive solutions have the high powered lobbyists. You know, that's mm -hmm. you know, that's our takeaway. But you know, we're we're working with um, Senator Lee and um, and the House members on a few other few other items and let me see if i can find that bill number um well what were the i guess that the goals and hopes that you guys had maybe they they did die but they'll probably be back next year um somewhat modified that you guys are really pushing for um that you'd like to see well, we were look we were interested in the um safe routes to school bill and there were a few other bills um requiring more bicycle and pedestrian investment. Um, yeah, I think that's a big one as to, 
you know, more accessibility for bike lanes and things that make it more easy for someone to say, hey, I'm going to, you know, ride a bike. Even out, we're going to be doing our cleanup on the Pearl Harbor bike path area. And just even when the path goes across roads and stuff, there's not even places you know, to saying, cross. hey, like yeah. to cross, right? And and there's not even like something painted on the ground or whatnot. So people are aware that, you know, bikers are driving or cyclists are driving by. Um, and so it's it's not as safe, you know, and I think that that's a concern for people. Things like well, that. I mean, are, I mean, that's the crazy thing. I mean, imagine if car drivers had roads that didn't cross other roads. Uh, or if, I mean, I think a lot of drivers forget that. Imagine if you're at a stoplight as a driver and you had to get out of your car and push the button to cross the road to get a traffic signal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I did find the one Senate bill that's still alive that, that we're interested in. It's Senate Bill 2295, that's Senate Bill 2295. And it's, it's, it's um, requesting that the Department of Transportation, that's the State Department, um, plan for sea level rise in how yeah. they and how they position their projects so you know it won't be it won't be helpful if you build a road that's going to be underwater in say 20 years versus say 40 um and such so that's the next one we have um that we're providing testimony on yeah that would um play hand in hand with the driving in water <laughs> right unless you have an aqua car yeah <laughs> I'll have to modify some of those uh, bike uh, options there. That's right. Um, anyhow, let's see. I think I had a, one more. Is there is there any opportunities for a volunteer um, volunteering with you guys or things of that sort? I know sometimes you know nonprofits need this extra assistance. I always like to put it out there if they do have have programs or anything like that. Well, yes. Yeah, so we're a 501c3. So the, the nonprofit, we don't get any revenue from the system. So all of our administrative costs and insurance and, and salary comes from donations. And so we take, we gladly take um, small donations on our website, gobeakyhigh.org. Um, put us in your will. I mean, I don't, I don't want to, don't want to be negative, but you know, endowments um, and, and other real estate investments would help us out for the long term for sustainability. And also we're looking for new business sponsors. So the businesses on our bikes are the ones that help us bring our community mission to the community. So that's the advertisements um, on your bikes. Is that what you mean? It's not so much advertising, but it's a sponsorship. So yeah. those are businesses related to our mission so it's healthcare, it's it's local banking, it's local tourism, um, and so we we're looking for a bank sponsor. We're looking for an airline sponsor currently. Um, the healthcare side is well supported by Hawaii Pacific Health, um, and we're looking for other businesses, hotels. We'd love to put a, a local hotel on our bikes. Um, and can the these sponsors pay for? additional beaky stations that yep, might yep. be advantageous for their location yeah actually we we just recently had a, a developer um, purchase a beaky station the the great people at azure over on makaloa street um, across from the uh, alamana center they were the first 
donated Beaky station tied to urban redevelopment. Awesome. So, yeah, so we're, we're also working on that side of things. Um, but regarding boots on the ground or, or people volunteers, well, as for the last two years, we've kind of not had any volunteers, but we're starting to slowly open up as things open up and people can contact us through um, through our website. Uh, again, gobeekihigh.org. And sometimes we do need extra people to, um, to um, table at an event or do outreach. Um, one of our great tools in our toolbox is the Hawaii, is, um, Hawaii Bicycling League. The people at HBL have certified um, league cycling instructors. And so we often use their volunteers to help us at events because they're so Akamai and helpful. Awesome. That's, that's um, I think, almost everything that I can see here. Perhaps, do you have, I do have here for their Facebook, you have at GoBeakyHI. Um, Instagram is the same at GoBeakyHI as well. So if you guys want to follow them there, um, you can also go to their website. And then if you have any questions, you can reach them on the website as well. And on our end, since we are wrapping things up, I just wanted to say thank you so much, Todd, for being here and speaking with us today and sharing a little bit more on transportation here in Hawaii. In addition, um, you guys can also follow us and go to our podcast at www.smartlivinghi.org and follow us on Smart Living Hawaii's um, nonprofit foundation as well. So thank you so much. And thank until you. then, live smart. Yeah, mahalo and thank you for your work. And do come and visit us at uh, gobiki.org. Mahalo. Thanks.